So I bought a different light that kind of sits on my desk. Like brilliant, got a got an arm on the the microphone now. Like I'm I'm not budget podcaster anymore. I'm doing yeah, good. That's hardcore. It's nice. You finally got the setup right. The light's nice because I don't feel like it's my head's as shiny now. I think it's shiny. Should Blend is red it to you. It? you go. How about that? Yeah, that's way better. Okay. Now you just need some spray tan and Rogaine. Uh, I don't want Rogaine. I like being bald. Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people. It is week six of 2023. I'm CSE, and my shoulder is still not back to normal, which has prevented me from going to the gym. With me, I have my co-host CTE, who never skips a gym day. I don't. I went today, and I had a good old time, but my chest literally on the last call was like was tweaking out like it was cramping up thought i was having a heart attack but also my back hurts from carrying the team the podcast team you guys really need to step up you suck <laughs> i am towing the line here what Just kidding. are you talking about there brian <laughs> all right well if you want to moderate one of these days be my guest just for the record i have moderated 98 out of 98 episodes yeah but like Whatever. That's like being the, the prettiest Denny's waitress. Thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, you don't have a right to complain. <laughs> and we have Lebowski on the line, sipping on a white Ukrainian. <laughs> what? Is that me? Maybe, you know, we're not, <laughs> yeah. We're not supposed to call it white, white Russian anymore. We have to call it a white Ukrainian. Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> I see. Well, Whew. hey, everybody. What the heck was that about? I don't know, but... Whatever, just like Chris in his Amazon shirt here. I, I, I'll, I'll tell you what though, guys. Anyone or guys and gals for them. Anyone who's sitting on this right now has got to take us. Got to, got to look at to see what Chris is wearing. As you know, Chris has been great at um, wearing and, and and trolling some companies out there. And as of right now, he's wearing a big bright blue Amazon uh, polo tee. So I don't know what he's delivering, but he's delivering something. He's delivering bad news and unfunny jokes. <laughs> delivering Weekly. smiles. That's it. The Amazon <laughs> promise. Delivering smiles. Does this mean that you actually did Amazon work part-time instead of buying that shirt? You actually applied for a job and got it somewhere? That's why you took time off? No, I just thought it was a funny shirt, so I bought it. Gotcha. I didn't you know they made it in kid sizes. <laughs> I, I got the Domino's polo, too. It looks a little tight there, doesn't it? <laughs> Just a little bit. It's fitted. It's not tight. It's fitted. There's a difference. <laughs> oh, that's probably, All those push-ups you be doing. Yeah, it's, pro- it's probably the fact that he's not doing push-ups anymore. That's why it's fitted. It's true. No Todd this week. In true Sasquatch fashion, he'll come around someday. Ugh. Combined, we have decades of information security experience here, not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four fantastic stories for you this week. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Congratulations, Brian, on the promotion to t- Chief Technology Evangelist, which is why we were calling him CTE a few weeks ago. Now it's official. What? what? Well, thanks, Chris. Congrats, yeah. Brian. Nice. Thank you. I do feel like I lost all my technical credibility once I took this title. Like Everyone just kind of looks at me like, ugh, marketing guy. It's not. I promise you. I'm not here to lie. Well, not Lots much. of good things <laughs> planned ahead, I am sure. We'll hear a lot more about it in the future. 
our weekly reminder, check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Podcast, And another reminder to send or email your questions to us, podcast at chrislouis.net. Only one more episode to go until we reach episode 100. Also, public service announcement, if you live in the San Francisco Bay Area, you get an extra month to file your taxes due to the emergency declaration in all nine Bay Area counties. As usual, this is not financial advice, and ask a tax professional if this affects you. This week, we're going to close the loop on ChatGPT graduating from business school, open with new Apple product announcements. For our first topic, the FBI does something good for the cyber world for the change. Next, we have a leaky airline. For our third topic, the U.S. federal government needs pierogies scammer payback. And we'll close with talking about short shorts. Closing the loop this week, for the story that will literally never die, ChatGPT has passed Wharton School of Business exam and outscored most humans. But that's not so fair, professor... That's not fair, though, right? I'll let you finish, Chris. I'm so sorry. I'll just say that the professor that gives this exam at the Warren School of Business, very highly regarded, well-respected school professor gave the exam to ChatGPT, and he read the professor read the answer, and professor professor said, "Yeah, this this would get a passing grade in my class." Like passing A or passing C? He did say it outscored most humans. So if if you grade on the curve, most people should be getting a C. If you use the curve scale, but passed, right? Yeah. right? What is Dominic Toretto? It doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. Don't tell my kids, but C's do get degrees. <laughs> hey, what do you call the last person in a graduating class of doctors? Doctor. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's scary. But, um, I, I don't think that's fair because doesn't ChatGPT have access to like past history, past tests, past past whatever? So therefore, yeah. it's a cheat. It's kind of a cheat, right? It's yes and no. Yes, it has access to all data uh, up to I, I forgot what the cutoff was. Is it twenty twenty one, Brian? I think it is. Yeah, I think so. It's just like if you remember. IBM's computer, it wasn't Deep Blue, it was not Newton. I can't even remember what it's called now. Whatever IBM's AI supercomputer is, it went on Jeopardy and it beat the other two, the, the two best Jeopardy players ever. But the 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 computer would often get questions wrong though. Uh Watson. It's called Watson. Like you would say, What's a major city in, in the US? And it would answer Toronto. Like, well, clearly Toronto's not in the US, but it would still outscore humans even though it has all this history it didn't always get it right so in an effort to completely derail this conversation you said deep blue which reminded me of the dave Chappelle skit when he was samuel jackson you guys remember that he's like i'll have a samuel jackson sam jackson yeah yeah deep blue sea they ate me a shark ate me you guys remember that no yeah yeah. Oh man, that was, that was a good. That was a good skit. But it'll get you drunk. Yeah. Mm-mm. Wow. We're gonna go watch yeah. that skit now. All right. Oh, you'll you'll enjoy it. But you know, this whole chat GPT thing is like it's phenomenal. I literally use it probably daily just to just to check it out. And my son, 
was working on, I think he's doing some object oriented programming. It's beyond my, my skills and capabilities, but we're just talking about like, he was trying to pass integers and extract strings and do different things with it. And he's like, oh, I'm having problems. I'm like, I'm like, well, do you ever even like Google? He's like, no, I just, I stick strictly to the videos at hand and then the documentation on this. I was like, well, I personally am just going to exhaust every single resource that I could. I would go on Google, but specifically, I'd go out on ChatGPT to see if it could solve this problem. And which makes me think one of two things. One, is my skills severely diminished because I leverage third-party information all the time? Or am I retaining some of this? And for him, like after I think it was probably two and a half hours working on this problem, he finally fixed it. Like he, he figured out the problem. Then he went and checked chat GBT and it would have solved the problem for him in an instance. Like, like it is that stark of a, of, Kudos of, to him though, of, right? of a tool. Kudos to him. Cause he had to sit down there and go through, did the, it the hard way, go through it the hard yeah. way. Right. Like true. Do you guys take the hard way every time? Or do you like, I use a calculator. I well, what I don't know yeah, what you're talking about context dependent, yeah. <laughs> context dependent. Yeah. Yeah, the analogy I heard, I can't remember who said it, but the analogy of using ChatGPT is sort of like building a car. Like if you go into a car factory today, a lot of it's done by robots, but you still need humans there. There's some things that robots can't do, but there are a lot of things robots can help humans do. And I think that's what ChatGPT is. It's like reference material, right? I mean, like I think in the olden days, if I was if I if I if I liken this to like fixing a car, like especially an old one that um, you know that requires a service manual, something that they don't make anymore, um, you know, a car that's uh, early stage like nineteen seventies and you know before that, um, I, I like to go look at the manual and see if there's anything written inside there um, to to kind of give me an idea of how do I replace this one part because darn those engineers for putting this one part in the most tightest spot possible, which I can't get to with any of the common tools that are out there. Right. Um, I, I think that's exactly like how it is. If I, I could sit there and kind of ponder on it, I can go look at a manual and get a reference for it. Or you can, I guess, chat GPT it and find out, you know, pretty quickly how it, how it's done. I, it's just some troubleshooting effort inside there. And I like the challenge of actually making my mind think a little bit. I don't know about you guys. I, I will tell you. Go ahead, Chris. I wouldn't trust ChatGPT to be my CFO or my controller in my accounting department, but I would trust ChatGPT to do my taxes. That it's very formulaic. The job of an accountant, the job of a tax preparer, is you take all these inputs. So you have capital gains, you have ordinary income, you have W-2s, you have 1099s, you have might even have some K-1s. And you just have to put it in the right spot on the tax form to calculate it out. And the rules are very well defined. We have gap rules. We have IRS rules. It's very straightforward on, on how to do that. ChatGPT would be really good, I think, at replacing tax preparers in, in the near future, but not a complicated job like CFO, like how do we IPO? Should we do a pre-IPO fund around thing, things like that? I think I'm going to try chat GPT with my kids' tax returns this year since they're all working. Might as well see how well it does. And H&R Block and Intuit hate this one trick. <laughs> all right. Well, since chat GPT and plumbing talk took up 
a lot longer than I expected. We'll skip Apple announcements because that's not as interesting as our first topic here. And our first topic will be a ransomware story of the week. The US FBI announced that they disrupted the Hive ransomware gang after they gained access to their internal systems last July. They sat inside for over six months observing what was going on, warning imminent targets, and distributed decryption keys for anyone who got encrypted by them, saving victims in what's estimated to be $130 million in ransoms. That partially contributes to the 40% drop in ransom payments we saw last year, which is a story that we covered last week. The US FBI obtained a warrant for some servers hosted here in California, and Dutch authorities did the same things for servers hosted in the Netherlands. This awesome work they did since they found the time between asking Twitter to take down satire and joke accounts as revealed in the Twitter files part six, they did some good on the cyber front. So Chris, does anyone actually ask you for the ransomware story of the week or is this just something that you like to do? This is something we like to do on the podcast. We, we what do you mean we? I don't think me week. and Glenn are on this whole ransomware story of the week, but I digress. I'm just busting your chops. I would say one of the things that's most interesting about this is that the FBI sat dormant for six months and did this. Now, years ago, we had a user group and we had an FBI agent. I think his name was Michael McAndrews. He came out and, and talked and he was like, yeah, I'm part of the cybersecurity defense task force with the FBI. And we're like, oh, cool. Like, how big is your team? He's like, well, in Arizona, it's just me. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, out of everything, it's just you. He's like, yeah, just me. And so I was just kind of talking with him. I was like, well, tell me a cool story. And one of them was the like an administrative assistant for Steve Nash somehow put together that the Nike Elite website, which is for people that are sponsored by Nike, uh, the, the default username and password were kind of identical. At least the password was. So he took the password and started guessing other sponsored athletes in their email and was ordering millions of dollars of free stuff being shipped to his house in Tempe. And then he was reselling it on eBay. So where there's a will, there's a way, ladies and gentlemen. They eventually caught on to it. And that's how that particular FBI agent got involved. Yeah, that's very poor OPSEC, having it shipped to your house and then selling it in a way that's easily traceable through eBay. But yeah. They got halfway there, but very poor OPSEC. But he was doing it for years. That's the thing. Like that's It went undetected. Yeah, exactly. But he was like, you would be able to order like golf cl- I mean, you name it. Like it just they just ship it. It's no big deal. And nobody bothered to change the default password that Nike assigned to them. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was it like I love? Maybe Nike. there was no password reset. I have no idea. I hate I hate Adidas. <laughs> that was the password. <laughs> <laughs> might work boom roasted yeah and there are some people in the infosec community that were also scratching their heads and they were thinking wow does the fbi really have this capability or is it more likely that one of our other intelligence agencies maybe the us nsa or us cyber command got in and since you know technically a foreign intelligence service can't operate domestically without domestic help, in this case, the FBI, that the FBI took credit for it. That's the other theory. Or maybe it was just ChatGPT. 
Yeah. <laughs> or maybe it was a chupacabra. Like you never know. Yeah, when you, when you think of FBI Cyber Command, it is, like Brian says, one guy in the field office in, in Arizona, or our, our local guy here got caught up in Twitter Files Part 6, where he was just working on taking down these joke Twitter accounts. But somehow, some way, they infiltrated a sophisticated ransomware operation, disrupted it, distributed these encryption keys, and then just burned everything to the ground. Hey, side note, let's get banned. The whole Twitter files thing, that talk about government overreach. I don't care what side of the fence you're on. That was messed up. They had no business doing that. Oh, we need to go back in and start talking about the next set of Twitter files. Well, we need to find out if the listeners even care. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, we we didn't see a, a an increase or a drop in listenership. So I guess we have a very we have a very loyal following. So thank you, listeners, for continuing to listen and tune in every week. Heck yeah. Help spread the word, though. That's the other side of that coin. Help spread the word. Help grow the show. We will send you a free puppy for every listener you get. All right. And since Brian's <laughs> mouth is writing checks that the rest of us are responsible for cashing uh, for our second topic. Man, he's about the reservation. Know... Free dogs everywhere. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right. For our second topic, we now know that Brian is on the U.S.'s no-fly list after that quote incident that happened back in 2017 and how do we know this a copy of the u.s's no fly list containing over 1.5 million names and a selectee list with over 250,000 names was leaked and shared on an underground hacking forum just getting brian's actually not on that list as far as we know thank you for checking the selectee list is a list of names for people who undergo enhanced screening whenever passing through a U.S. airport. All we know is that a misconfigured AWS server belonging to the airline Commute Air allowed a hacker to obtain the list and upload it to an underground crime forum. Now, many people may ask, what good does this information do? Well, imagine you are a terrorist bent on doing harm to the United States. If you obtain a copy of the no-fly list, you can identify which one of your terrorist members have not yet been identified by U.S. intelligence. Or you can use it as a recruiting tactic, right? Like, hey, you can't do the whole note. You're like, you can't fly anywhere, but who says you can't drive a car into a building, right? Like, what if you were misclassified? I don't know. I think these the... people already know that they're on the no-fly list. <laughs> so... 1.5 million people in the U.S.? Or are they U.S. people or just globally? Global. It's a oh, global okay. list. Yeah. So right. they're not allowed to fly into the U.S. Yeah. Okay. I guess that's not too bad. But I will say, if only there was like a technology out there that could go out and look for misconfigurations in your public cloud <laughs> that you're leveraging. Like this, just thinking out loud, maybe, guys, maybe we should create a business that does that. Maybe. Maybe. And then sell it to people. I make a lot of money. Oh, and top of that, not only do we detect it, then we can actually put a Band-Aid on it and fix it. What a futuristic, hedonistic society if that we'll only, never get to. If only, if Brian, only, If only, Brian. So, so I, I used to have a co-worker. His name was um, Sean Murphy. And he his name was on this list. And I was like, he's got the most plain name possible. And it's... And I think he said it was the Sean Murphy that was associated with the IRA. Um, and I was like, that's a plain name. Like, how how would they know, like, 
that your which names Sean yeah with sean murphy there's yeah. got to be millions of you guys right so they usually cross-reference it with date of birth and i think there there were some other identifiers in this list i think it was the first name last name okay date of birth maybe passport number i'm not sure but so if they yeah if, it's if they create these passports they can obscure you know a couple of fields and make it through the no-fly list did your coworker get flagged a lot? Yeah, he 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 always was flagged to do the um, what is it the the, the enhanced interrogation? No, I, I, it, it's supposed to be the, the the random check. For some reason, yeah. his name would always ping for a random check. He goes, "I don't get it. It's supposed to be random. Why am I getting picked?" And I said, "I don't think it's yeah, I don't think it's on, random." So he's on the selectee list <laughs> yeah, then. Yeah, not maybe not the no fly list. He's on the selectee list. Well, maybe there's, this is why TSA is so great at what they do. There's supposed to be a redress number that if you're caught in that situation, you share the name or some details with someone on the no-fly list, but you're not yep. that person, you're supposed to submit a redress number. I don't know when that came out, but your coworker should definitely look into that. I've seen that before. Do you guys have TSA pre-check? Do you guys apply for that? Global entry, baby. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. Global entry. Yeah. yeah. That's That's the way to do it. Yeah, I haven't had to take off. Well, I would say I haven't had to take off my shoes for a flight in quite some time, but there are some airports that don't have it. And then there are some airports where pre-check closes at a certain hour, which was news to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like eight, nine o'clock, nine, 10 o'clock, the TSA is closed and they give you a little pass just so that you don't have to take off your shoes while you're in line or something like that as you go through the normal line with the rest of the peasants. So yeah, the laminated free lunch. I still have to take out my laptop. Yeah. Well, it's not even that. It's, you have to take out your laptop. So as soon as I fly with like a laptop, an iPad, and a Kindle, and I have to take everything out. And then sometimes I forget my Kindle because I don't count that as a tablet, but some airports count that as a tablet. So I have to go back through the line, take out my Kindle this time. Freaking Chris has got tech debt up the yin-yang. You mean Amazon Kindle? Yeah. Really? You mean, wait a minute. Hold on. It's not two laptops and two iPads and the Kindle? I know my my buddy actually. He just came back from Mexico and he brought two laptops with them, and they got him on like import duties for that second laptop. Apparently, if you fly to Mexico, you're only allowed to carry one laptop, and even if you fly out of the country with two laptops, you have to try to fly back in. They they nailed him on customs duties for that. Wow, that's why I drive to Mexico, guys. <laughs> you're closer. <laughs> that oh yeah, and all the e- extra stuff that they ask you to bring back into the states. Which ironically is how he got on the no-fly list to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> it's not because of his name; it's because of his looks. So, can you imagine? Hey. They probably have that. Are those fields in there? Like, uh, you know, he typically walks around like a bomb strapped to his vest. In the notes field, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> he's quite the... girthy. The, the better way to do is instead of distributing the list to every single airline and hope they keep it under wraps, like why doesn't TSA just host the list themselves and then airlines can check against that list? Wouldn't that be better? That would make sense. Are you nuts? <laughs> Too much sense. Get out of here. Yeah. Southwest is on 25-year-old technology. I don't know if they'll be able to write a script to make an API call into the TSA database to query this name. I got news for you. Every major airline that's been around for a while is on twenty-five-year-old tech. Probably the, the the most cutting edge is like companies like Allegiant, where they wrote their own booking software 
like modern day, not mainframe, but they still fly junk planes. Maybe they're junk planes, but somewhat sketchy. Edit that out, Chris. I don't want to. <laughs> there goes that Allegiant sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> Brian's like, I got to go fly Spirit now. Yeah. The old flying death trap. So. <laughs> yeah, I would think that like most companies that come up nowadays, they're on cloud. They're all cloud first. They're AWS. They're Office 365 versus these old dinosaur companies that still run a lot of on-prem stuff. So any airline that started within the last 10 years is probably on something newer. Like I, was, I was thinking of like Virgin America before they got acquired by Alaska Air. They were very technologically forward thinking, at least on their airplanes. I don't know what their back end looked like. For our third topic, <laughs> oh man, this is a depressing one. It actually combines a few of the stories that we've done in the past. A recent investigation by CISA, our cyber uh, infrastructure and security agency, showed that two U.S federal agencies were breached using remote desktop sharing software. It's one of those fortunately, unfortunately stories where yes, the agency was breached, but they were breached due to geek squad types of scams. The one that Pierogi covers and fights against in a scammer payback YouTube channel. The scam starts with an email saying you have an auto renewal for geek squad, Norton McAfee, you name it. And you're going to be billed for $500 unless you call to dispute it. When you call the number, it connects to an India call center and they try to gain access to your computer using any desk or team viewer, some type of remote software. That, and once they're in, they manipulate the browser into thinking they refunded you too much money and you have to withdraw the cash and mail it to them or use it, send it to them through Western Union or Bitcoin. So yes, it was bad that these federal agencies got breached, but thankfully they got breached by these India scam call centers, which probably didn't know just how much access they had inside a U.S. federal agency. And thankfully, CISA was able to catch it before any damage was done. Do you really think... You know they say... Go ahead. <laughs> they, you know, what's white and sleeps three? It sleeps three. What's, Uh-oh. What's that? A U.S. federal truck. Just, you know, agents sleeping away. <laughs> Sleep at the wheel. <laughs> Sleep at the wheel. It's, it's, it's sad, though, that that's act- like. Who clicks on that stuff, right? Yeah. It's like, like, oh, my God. Clicks, calls. Do they actually call from an office computer and have them install TeamViewer? Or... It's not only that. It's, it's that the users had enough admin rights to install this stuff on their machine. True. Yeah. They should have enough. A firewall wasn't blocking it. They should have an active directory, or I should say just a group membership called Gullible. So, like, (laughs) suspect. Chop them in that group. Yeah. This is why you need to have. Internet jail. Yeah. Internet jail. Browser isolation. Need AI, ML to dynamically block this stuff. How dare they? Oh, I guess it came in as an email. If you're really going to call the number. Phone call. Install the software. What federal agency? Is it like U.S. Water and Power? Was it, you know, what do you think? It couldn't have been the FBI. It couldn't have been the CIA. Or could it? (laughs) CISA didn't out the agency, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was like state or something. Because I I remember years ago when Ashley Madison leaked, there were like at state.gov, there was at FBI.gov email addresses in that database. I would have loved to see that list of names. That would have been awesome. Well, I guess we still can, right? It's still out there someplace. It was on Pastebin for a while. Yeah. Yeah, if you know where to look, I'm sure you can find it. See how many people are still happily married. 
see if those passwords are still working. <laughs> I remember telling my wife about that. She's like, well, type in your name in your email. Like there's a website that you could check to cross reference to oh. see if you were part of the breach. Have I been I was like, Is that right? Yeah. I was yeah, like, have I yeah. been phoned? Yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, you really think I did this? She's like, well, let's just check it out. I'm like, oh, all right, let's do this. She's like, type in my dad's name. I we're closing the computer now. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's type in your name. <laughs> my how the tables have turned. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, that would have been this, terrible, right? Come back clean, but she's guilty. I'm like, ooh, uh, awkward. So going back to the original story of the refund scams, I was, as I've spoken about on, on the podcast before, I had to chop down this tree that fell over in front of my house, and I'm out there with the saw, and a, a neighbor comes by, and she's she's not elderly, but she's on the she's on the older side. She's going for a daily walk, and she comes up to me, and you know, wants to meet the new neighbor and we get to talking and I tell her, I'll, I was wearing my Z scaler shirt and she said, Oh, you know, what, what do you do? And I said, I work in cybersecurity. And then she's like, Oh, where were you last year when I needed you? I, I got an email that said I was going to get billed for geek squad. And I called the number and they no installed any desk on my computer. And, that, and as she's telling me this, I'm like, Oh no, I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> and then she, she, she went through the whole thing. She's like, yeah, I had to throw out the computer. I had to buy a new computer and, uh, it it emailed all my contacts. All my friends were getting scammed too. So like, oh man, <laughs> oh, poor lady. And yeah, I, I, if she had not already learned her lesson from that, I'm just like, yeah. If you don't recognize it, don't click it. Don't call. It's a scam. And I was trying to do my five minute elevator pitch on how to protect vulnerable vulnerable groups from these cybersecurity scams. I bet she she worked for a federal agency. <laughs> it was her. Yeah. <laughs> So that was, yeah, that was, that was an interesting conversation where when I got to meet the new neighbor, but hopefully she's a little bit more educated now. Won't, won't click on random things and install any desk on her computer anymore. Yeah. What an idiot. I'm surprised she remembered any desk though. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, for our last topic, and it'll be a rotating topic every week. This week, we're going to talk about the Adani group and short selling. I threw this link in the group chat early this week, and I was actually surprised that no one else had heard this story or was following what was going on, considering the world's third richest man lost $36 billion, that's billion with a B, in three days and fell to the world's 10th richest person. The Adani Group's actual company, their combined market cap lost almost $85 billion, so... We haven't seen this level of wealth destruction since FTX and the financial crisis in, in 2008. Let's rewind a bit here and tell you what happened. An opposition research company called Hindenburg Research, appropriate name, I know, specializes in investigations of companies they believe are committing fraud or hiding something to greatly increase their stock price. Before Hindenburg releases their report, they take a large short position in the company, so they are essentially betting that the stock price will go down. And if the stock price tanks, they make a ton of money. One of the most well-known investigations was, I think it was last year or two years ago, but it was into Trevor Milton, the CEO of Nikola Motors, and exposed him for being a gigantic fraud and nearly took down the company. They made a lot of money shorting their stock as the stock of Nikola dropped over 90%. And if you remember, short sellers make money when the stock price falls. 
Last week, after a two-year investigation, Hindenburg released a 200-plus page report documenting the largest largest corporate fraud in history against a company called the Adani Group, India's largest conglomerate company. And there are a bunch of key points from the report that I'll list off in a bit, but first, reactions from you two when I sent you guys the link in the group chat. Do you think he lost any sleep as he fell from number three to number 10? He's probably like, oh, whatever, no big deal. It's 36 bill. Yeah, he's still incredibly wealthy, but not as wealthy as he would have been if the stock report hadn't come out. I think he's just concerned about the future viability of the, the companies. Like the, this, These companies could have been just house of cards and this thing could implode overnight. So he goes from third to 10 and he's still like 1,000 places, 100,000 places richer than me. I mean, it's like, <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, he still has more money than he could ever spend in his entire life. Yeah, but that's true. How does a person that's in charge of all these companies still be solvent? I mean, the, the guy should be in jail, right? If he was if he was doing all this, he should be under investigation, technically, I think. Well, he has that FU money, so he can do whatever he wants at this point. Yeah. And, and that's part of the research that that Hindenburg did is a lot of the people they dealt with did do investigations. They did turn over evidence to the appropriate authorities in India. And for some reason, which no one can figure out, no charges were ever brought up. So Seems saying, like a great guy. So you're saying the Indian government's in on the scam. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that despite overwhelming evidence of malfeasance, they were, they were never really formally charged for, for these crimes. Now, some people were. So I'll, I'll, I'll read off some of the key points from the report. Uh, eight of the 22 key leaders in the Adani uh, conglomerate companies, they're all family members, so they're all related. Keep it in the family. There, <laughs> there are 38 shell companies controlled by this, this guy, Adani, his, his oldest brother. Uh, he controls 38 shell companies that interact with the Adani group. Uh, and if this is not a huge red flag, I don't know what is. The independent auditor, so think of Arthur Anderson in the case of Enron. The independent auditor for Adani Enterprises is a tiny firm that has no website. And the historical archive shows that this auditing firm had four partners and only 11 employees. And the audit, quote, partners who signed off on the company financials were only 23 years old when they started approving financials for the now... $100 billion combined market cap company. Hey, you know, so keep going, your circle tight, man. Wow. So going back to our point for FTX, <laughs> if you have a bunch of 29-year-olds or 30-year-olds running a $10 billion company, that should be a huge red flag. So 23-year-old auditors were signing off on the financials of a $100 billion company. Huge red flag. Uh, Donnie Enterprises had five CFOs in the last eight years. And... Of the seven listed companies of the Adani Group, they're on average about 85% overvalued. So when you take their price-to-earnings ratio, which is a measure of the how the, the stock price of it's overvalued or undervalued, their green energy PE number is 815. So their stock price is 815 times their earnings when the industry average is about 24. Wow. So that <laughs> implies about a 97% downside for the stock. Just... Even if there's no malfeasance, it's still just way overvalued. So outside of these bullet points, what has you most up in arms, Chris? 
I think it's just the in this day and age we can we we're still seeing this. We've had Enron, we've had Madoff, we've had all these accounting frauds, WorldCom, you name it. We still don't have the appropriate controls to detect and and stop this kind of fraud. And granted, this is India, and I don't know how the fight how finances work in India. Not like we do here in the U.S. We have Sarbanes Oxley. We have a lot of stuff that came out of the Enron scandal. Yet we still have companies like Nikola that had multi billion dollar valuation on a truck that they literally rolled down a hill. That's true. I. I, I'm. I thank God for this every single day. I almost bought in on the IPO of Nikola. I remember there they had there was emails going out. I was like, ah, I'm gonna flag this and do it later, and then kept doing that. And then before I knew, it, it was like, oh, you missed out, idiot. It's like, oh, you're right. I'm an idiot. And then this happened. So, <laughs> jokes on you guys. I don't think this is as bad in the U.S. Um, I, I get Nikola. Nikola was maybe there, but I, I mean, none of the larger companies that are out there. Are getting caught in this anymore right because there are a lot of controls in place if you look at ftx that really was something that was out of the blue out in left field because i don't think we really had a lot of controls on bitcoin to begin with right there probably will be and now. they were registered in the bahamas yeah. there probably will be now that was a problem yeah. yeah yeah it's a conspiracy there it was all to be able to put controls around bitcoin or crypto and one thing that <laughs> i think is concerning about these shell companies and the holding companies i i listened to the bad bets podcast and they went really in detail for enron and for nicola as well and one of the things enron did was they had these these oil vessels that they there's boats that carry oil and i guess enron was coming up short on their their revenue for a quarter so they went to a bank call it jp morgan chase or goldman sachs i I don't know which one and they told them, hey, guys, why don't you buy these boats from us for $100 million? After we report earnings, we'll buy them back from you for $110 million. And, and that's what they did. So they, the bank bought these boats, got the paper for the boats. They reported blowout earnings, stock went up. And then they just quietly bought these boats back from, from the bank for you know 10% plus interest on it. it. It's like, that's what we need, the corporate controls. Like, that's just blatantly stock manipulation. But riveting conversation, Chris. Thank you. Yeah. Am I the only one that's this fired up about it? What's what's the end of all this, right? So he's going to lose stock. He's going to... He he goes from third to 10. Still, you know, billions of dollars, right? I mean, lots of money that this guy will never be able to spend. And he's he's basically generate... He's built generational wealth amongst the family, if you look at it. When when danger comes a knock in, right? He's just like, Well, how much does it take to make you go away? Yeah. The twenty million? The thirty million? Two hundred and fifty million? Like everyone's got a number, right? Ain't nothing gonna happen to this guy. You got that kind of money, he'd be just fine. That's the sad part. Yeah, well the hope is that there's such it's so public now that the Indian government has to do something about it and launch their own investigation, hopefully. And hopefully they find something that will put the guy away if if it's true, so we have to preface yeah. it. These are all allegations. There's a 200-page report. There's like 80 questions at the end that Hindenburg wants to ask Adani. And Adani did put out a rebuttal to this, but their stock price continues to plummet. I think by law in India, a stock can only drop 10% per day. And many of these stocks have dropped the limit of 10% per day. And they're <laughs> down 
50% overall and erased the wealth of this guy, erased $87 billion with the market cap. Buy low, sell high. This is going to rebound. Watch. Hey, so can we put, yeah. can we put, is it call orders? If it's just 10% a day, can we just keep doing call orders every, every, every day? <laughs> Knowing that it's going to well, drop. You want puts. If you got a <laughs> bet right, that's yeah. going to go down, you want to sell the calls or buy the puts. Yeah. Can we do the puts? <laughs> Will anybody take a put order for those right now? <laughs> yeah. I bet there's a huge premium for them right now. I didn't even know that India had their own stock market. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. They have their own stock market. So the, I think as U.S. people, I don't think we can trade or we're not supposed to, but you can buy their their American deposit or ADS or something. I can't remember the acronym, but they have an American version of the their stock that you can buy or short. But I thought this was super interesting. This could potentially be the largest corporate fraud in history. We thought Enron was pretty bad already, and we had Madoff, and now this Adani, which is a company I I'd never heard of. I bet people in India know because that's probably like their Procter and Gamble or ExxonMobil, some you know, very large company there. But I've never heard of it until now, and a lot of people are hearing about it now for the wrong reasons. Eight hundred thirty-one times earnings—that is insane. That was the uh, Adani total gas. That's wild, man. Yeah, compared to an industry average of twenty x, which implies very very heavy downside on that so well we'll see that some of the short sellers have gotten it wrong before there is a company called muddy waters and they put out a report uh, against saint jude medical that said their pacemakers were quote hackable their saint jude stock price went down quite a bit when that report came out and when they actually did the deep dive into it they're like okay yeah there were some security concerns about it but it's not like some guy in his basement's gonna turn off everybody's pacemaker at the same time so that ended up being a, a nothing burger. It was a software update. A <laughs> nothing burger. Haven't heard that one in a while. <laughs> All right. Since I said nothing burger, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, Brian's up. Ooh. So my son asked me what it's like to be married. I told him to leave me alone. Then I asked him why he's ignoring me. I was waiting for that. I I think your wife's not going to be happy about that joke when she listens to this podcast. But okay, (laughs) jokes on you. She doesn't listen to us. (laughs) True, but she does love the Instagram clips that Chris posts weekly. We look forward to the audiograms. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's been it's been about a year. We've had about a year worth of audiograms now, so glad to know that that's being appreciated. There is some work that goes into doing that and getting it posted. I am a little bit behind, but I'm trying to backfill those as quick as I can. All right, to wrap things up, ChatGPT graduated from business school. The U.S. FBI did something good in their cyber realm for once. The U.S. no-fly list is out in the wild. The U.S. federal government was compromised by refund scammers. And beware when Hindenburg drops reports. That's all I have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast. Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who raised five stars to the iTunes store on Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the Pebcac Podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. 
for my co-host Brian Deach and Glenn Medina. I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next weekend. As always, have a nice day. Todd Morton doesn't care about listeners. Bye, Felicia. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.